Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Belinda Car Show. Today, we have a special guest on our episode, Jared Gross. He's in our studio. Hey, Belinda. Thank you for having me at your home today. This is an awesome studio setup. The lighting's incredible. I think uh, someday I'll have to make something similar for myself. Yeah. You have done a couple of podcasts, right, with people all around the world? Yeah, I have uh, about 25 podcast episodes. I don't know if anybody listens to them, but uh, all with 3D printed construction founders and... Uh, companies that have been 3D printing homes. So how did you get into this field? For, I don't think I really need to introduce you. Everyone probably knows your YouTube channel. You have, I'm, I'm guessing, visited every, almost every single 3D printing company in the world, almost every single 3D printed project. So how did you get into this field? In the small niche of 3D printed construction, it may be true that uh, some people have, are familiar with me. I don't think <laughs> the general public, a lot of people don't even know what a 3D printed house is yet. but. Uh, I got into this field in, it was in college that I saw a video about a $10,000 3D printed house on Facebook, uh, just like scrolling mindlessly. And I was intrigued by it, having some construction experience, uh, knowing that was a ridiculous claim. Looking into it a little bit, uh, I just was fascinated by the application of automation and technology. Uh, knowing from the get-go there wasn't going to be a $10,000 house or $4,000 house, uh, but just expecting that in the future technology will uh, take its place in construction like it has in every other industry. So uh, it actually began with a startup competition. I recruited an engineer from another school and we had a design for a, a printer that would be both additive and subtractive. So you would print and then have a drill which could remove material. Uh, but it turned out we we got one place under the cash prize in the competition. So. It was like sixth and the top five got cash prizes. And anyway, even if we had won the cash prize, I don't think the uh, engineer could have built the design he was talking about and I couldn't build it either. So the uh, I guess that became dormant, but I was still following the industry closely. And uh, there's no way I'm ever going to start my own printer company at this point. Why do you say that? Because I like what I do and I've been... Uh, I guess it'll make sense as the story progresses more, but I guess the YouTube journey for me started in China when I was traveling with a friend of mine and emailed Winsun, and for $30, they said I could take a tour through their facility. When was this? This was in 2019, September 2019. So uh, probably like one of the last Americans to go to China for a while. And I it was just such a unique opportunity. I actually bought the camera that I used for like two years. It was too big a DSLR. Now I use a smaller camera because I travel so much. But the uh, I bought the camera and filmed the first videos that I did with Winsun and put them on YouTube. It was about three months before I even uploaded another video, but those videos got some traction. I think they got like a, a, maybe a thousand views. And I was like, wow, a thousand people watched me like walking around this place in China. Like, I just thought it was so cool, and uh, I was with my family, and I was getting like 200 views a day or something, and I was like, I think I'm going to make YouTube videos. Did they think you were crazy? I think they're like very supportive, and like I could tell them I was going to be an artist and paint only elephant tails or something, and they'd be like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, so whatever I did, they were going to support it, I think. But I have a little... Uh, um advantage in that sense because my parents are halfway across the world there's only little they can do if I tell them I want to be a YouTuber okay I guess in America it's much more people have a understanding of like the YouTuber 
industry, I guess, more was it different uh, overseas or did they? Not really. I think the influencers, content creators, and all that. They're there are a lot of them in the UAE, as you could probably guess. There's plenty of content to film in the city. So I think I started off with the, the, the software journey and building scripts and all that. So And I was still working while doing that. So my parents weren't too worried oh, yeah. about it. The next 3D printed building I ended up visiting was uh, SQ4Ds in New York, which was just close to home. Uh, at the time, I was working a construction labor job. And... Uh, so I was working 40 hours a week, the construction labor job, and then I would do like another 40 hours a week starting the YouTube channel, like doing research to make videos and uh, interviews with people and visiting the SQ4D house, which was really difficult to find. I had to drive around just like aimlessly for 12 hours, uh, just all over the place uh, of Long Island to find it across different towns, asking people questions. And it was ultimately in a concrete plant. So it was like the third concrete plant I went to that day. I don't know why I had a feeling to just like check concrete plants, but... Uh, I did and I found it and I made another video which was also pretty popular. So now my first four videos, uh, still they're probably in the top like 20% performers of my channel, but uh, it, it, I guess, motivated me to pursue the rest of the journey. YouTube tricks you in that way. Yeah. You kind of think, oh, okay, maybe every video will perform this well. So you dive headfirst into it and then the algorithm just abandons you. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that well. It was like 20,000 views or something like that. But uh it was at the time very crazy to me. So did you develop a passion for the 3D printing industry while you started exploring all these? I hate 3D printing, like plastic printing. I hate plastic. Uh, plastic's the worst. Uh, 3D printing in plastic is just like, I have a plastic printer. I bought it because I got interested in concrete printing and I wanted to understand how the concrete printers work. But just in general, uh, like, how much useful stuff is there built from plastic printers? If it's that useful, let's mass produce it for way cheaper. Like you can just create a mold, pour plastic into it and basically create the same form. But with concrete, cheaper. you can't do that. So if you want a uh, form with curvatures or complex shapes, you need form work. And if it's something complex, that form work would be uh, one unique, costly to build, costly to store. Uh, costly to move to the site back off the site so eliminating the need for any form work is a pretty good automation case uh and like i said 3d printing i don't really care for 3d printing i care for automation so if i see uh, a 3d printer printing concrete uh and it's removing the need for form work reducing the need for human labor that's what I'm interested in. That's where it makes sense to you. Whether or not it makes sense uh, from a like finance, is it cheaper right now? I, nobody's been able to convince me of that. So I've been to all of these sites and I believe there's a huge incentive for a company to release cost data on my channel and say, we can do it cheaper if it's possible. That whatever company did that and said that, I think they would uh, be able to sell a lot of whatever they're selling for cheaper. But everyone's withholding yeah. the cost right now. Yeah, probably because it's not cheaper. So it, I think it, it's very simple to just like everybody's trying to get money. If they could get more money right now by exposing the cost, they would expose the cost. They would probably get less money if they expose the cost, so they're not exposing the cost. That's very true. But it is also a, a really new industry. So there's so much growth going on. So I get it in that sense that they don't they don't want to show all the downsides of the industry just yet. Yeah. I mean, I just said a lot of negative things. 
I've fully dedicated my life and 100% of my time to this industry. So uh, I believe in the future of it. And I think the work that all the companies are doing is very important. Whether or not it's cheaper than traditional construction right now, it's getting there. And technology is never cheaper in the beginning. It's so expensive to the R&D development. And uh, most likely, the affordable housing solution I want to find will look nothing like anything we expect. Uh, It'll be something new. And maybe the house will be something very new, too, compared to what we expect. But uh, when that time comes, I'm here for it. And I guess what I was saying before is, like, I'm not going to start a 3D printer company. It's not because it's not those aren't valid businesses. They could probably uh, – It's the, the biggest thing is, at this point, I've made so many friends in the industry. Uh, I don't want to compete with them. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't feel like I could build a better printer than the people I've met. So it's better that they're building the printers. And at this point, it seems I can help the industry more by just talking about it rather than if I print one house myself, uh, that's one house. But if I show 10 people how to print a house, then that's 10 houses. So I feel like at the moment, uh, I have to stay in my role. Since 2019, the 3D printed concrete industry has evolved quite a bit. What's the most significant feature you've seen evolve over the last two years? A lot of companies are talking about batch plant mixers now, which changes it up from the uh, typical mixer pump system to a system that would simultaneously mix uh, between, say, three and ten batches of concrete in preparation for changes in humidity, temperature, sunlight, so that instead of having one continuous mixer where you have to make these adjustments on the fly, you have uh, precise concrete mixes that start and stop at the exact time you need them to. Very interesting. And what about projects that you've seen? You've seen people build with earth, people build with geopolymers probably, and concrete. What's the most unique project you've seen? I told you about my friend uh, expecting a baby next week. That's actually not the reason I was in Dallas. There are two 3D printed buildings here in Dallas that uh, this is the first time they're being announced Uh (laughs) publicly. I have a video coming out on them, hopefully Friday, maybe next week. But uh, a group printed a couple buildings here. So recently I just was at them and they uh, it's really unique because in Texas, Icon is like the biggest 3D printed construction company. And to my knowledge, this is the first group besides Icon to 3D print a building in Texas. Is it the form that's unique or the way it's used? Nothing is particularly unique about it. It's designed similarly to a traditional house. What I guess the unique part is the first uh, non-icon house in Texas. (laughs) Which is is great. I mean, competition is always a good thing. I believe Texas is a really important place for this technology. So I think there's going to be a lot of 3D printed homes in Texas and Florida. Why Texas? Uh, why do you think Texas? It's mostly about building restrictions. Like California needs this technology uh, really badly, but the building restrictions will make it almost impossible. So in Texas, there's places like the whole city of Houston where you can just build whatever you want and uh, nobody's going to complain. So it makes it a really ideal candidate for this technology. And uh, Florida has similar spaces where... Uh, you can do whatever you want. When you talk about that, you mean in Houston, the the building codes allow a commercial space right next to a residential space. It's not zoned as strictly as... Uh... Also, some places, houses have to have siding or houses have to comply with uh, specific things. And there's even places within like 
a couple hours of here that you can just build without talking to anybody. <laughs> like Outside city limits. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't exist in California. So what part of the technology do you think has the most potential? Do you see it evolving into like the architecture realm where we start experimenting with facade designs or the engineering realm? I know there's a company called Hyperion in Finland. They are more on the engineering side or maybe on the material sciences side. Yeah, those are all equally important. The material side is not great for YouTube because it all looks the same pretty much. Um, the design side is great for YouTube. Uh, 3D modeling is really fascinating and it's something that anybody can do at home from their computer. So uh, it's cool that people can kind of get involved in a way for free if they download like Blender or some free 3D modeling software and uh, figure out how to export a step file. There's like uh, a way for anybody to get involved who wants to, to just start contributing. You think because we are visual beings, human beings are visual creatures, so people are going to be more excited about the architectural possibilities of 3D printing? In terms of like what's interesting to see, uh, yeah, I think that, and also what's important to like realize the benefits of the technology. Like if the the printers are capable, they go X, Y, Z, um, but it's like a Google search bar. Like it's only it's only going to give you the results that you look for. And you have to like ask the right questions and have the right designs to really get the full uh, power behind the uh, technology. So if people experiment more with designs, some of them with the goal of being cost effective, some of them just with the goal of creating things that are unique um, or just art sometimes, it'll kind of unlock a much deeper understanding of what we can do with this technology. You think so? Do you, you don't think that we're going to go down the same path as PLA plastic 3D printers where we're just printing for the sake of printing? Well, it's much more expensive than that. So you people don't really print just for the sake of printing with uh, with concrete. If they're printing nice things, a lot of printing is good. If they're printing plastic, stop printing. <laughs> I want to mention the plastic point again because there's some like 3D printed construction companies using plastic for like larger formwork or like interior wall structures and like those are valid. I just mean the plastics like typical you see a desk like toy whatever 3D printed. So you recently visited House Zero in Austin during the South by Southwest Festival. So that's Icon's latest um, building project. Yeah, they really did an incredible job with that one um, because they were able to design it on their own from scratch, so they own the project. And the other projects, they had contracted and made deals with other people that were involved, stakeholders, and this one was just exactly the way they wanted. So they were able to experiment with some things, and they learned a lot of really important things, like uh, they don't put any outlets or holes in the wall, so the windows are all floor-to-ceiling, and the printed elements are just printed and left, which is, like, fascinating because so many of the other companies are like, look what we can do with the cutting the wet concrete, making the holes during the print, whatever. And it seems icons realized it's better just not to do any of that, which is fascinating because it's like changing the way a home is built rather than making a house that just looks like a, a typical house, exactly. And it's like you when the first Tesla came out, they had a fake grill in the front of the car, even though there's no grill. But they've since removed the grills uh, and society likes it much better. But they needed that grill in the beginning because society was like, it looks so weird without a grill. We don't, we don't accept this. 
so 3D printed houses right now are forming in the shape of traditional houses because society needs to accept them. And it's the design, like you were talking about, that will unlock the future homes that will make this technology actually more cost effective rather than trying to fit another mold. That's a very interesting um, perspective. When we, so both of us actually, and my husband too, we stayed at Icon's the other icon house in Austin in October, November, you invited us there. Um, and that was one thing that we discussed during your podcast. We talked about how some of the outlets were loose and the, the plastic plate hitting curved concrete walls. It wasn't a good fit. So it seems like they tried that out because like you said, people expected an outlet in that wall and realized it didn't really work. So they've moved on to another design i love uh when people do videos at similar companies to me and especially your channel because you always have details that are like i always learn so much from watching the videos and it's like uh other youtubers too like monica church at uh mighty buildings smelled the smelled the printed like plastic that they used and it smelled like glue which is like a fascinating detail about this uv cured polymer that i didn't even think like smelling the people just come up with so many the more people covering something the better and it's like, uh, I think it'll just be great as the industry grows to have more people on YouTube covering it. So what else about the about House Zero was so different or a step up from the house that we stayed in? Wow, everything. Uh, the print quality is much better. If you recall around the windowsills, there were some like uh, issues. They upgraded the printer significantly. So their new printer has probably... Uh, twice as wide, twice as long uh, beads of concrete. No arms for the the system. So the their system's not really a gantry system. It's on rails. So it's like a upside down U shape, and the legs are have become enormous. So this gives them more rigidity, and I think they're planning on doing eventually like two story or three story prints. So. They included the structural integrity required to reach those heights. That's fascinating. What about the the way the roof sits on it? Because at the other house, the second story was wood construction and then a typical roof sat on that. It was a timber frame roof, which is like just a really high-end, uh, beautiful but expensive way to, to build. And the timber frames rest on uh, poured columns within the printed wall. So uh, like I'm sure you know with other printed walls, they just like leave a gap inside and pour concrete in with rebar to create structural integrity. That's where the roof sits on the concrete walls. And they have a series of these houses coming coming up, right? And they're all going to be rented out as Airbnbs. I guess so. It seems like they're uh, like kind of undecided on like exactly what they're going to do with the, the homes, but they're going to retain ownership of them and be able to use them for, yeah, like Airbnbs probably, uh, I think for it'll be a while before they list it because they have a lot of investors and like YouTubers and stuff that are uh, visiting and potentially staying there. So I don't know that it will be available to people soon, but uh, I th the other printed homes are available on Airbnb. So it's people can go stay in the printed home right now if they want to. So are you going to be visiting any other countries outside the States to see any new 3D printed projects? My plan is in 2023 to ship my car to Europe for six months and hit them all. Hit them all? Haven't you already done that last year? <laughs> I missed so many. Um, well, I'd like to revisit all the companies that I visited in the first place. And at the time, a lot of those companies were really generous in uh, because I, my channel wasn't making any money. So they 
like paid for my flights, my hotel, stuff like that, which was really nice, except I didn't like, they didn't like take control of the videos or anything. I retained full editorial control and everything. Um, but I just didn't like the dynamic so much. Like being indebted to those yeah, companies? Yeah, a little bit. Even though I didn't let it reflect in the videos, I... Uh, it bothered you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, having to think about it bothered me. And now that the channel is making some money, I think it'll be much better to uh, ship the car over and just travel on my own channel's budget so that I'm not influenced by outside forces. So what's your daily routine like? Because you travel all across the state. I have no daily routine. Every single day is so different. Um, some days are driving 20 hours. Some days are... Uh, like in February, after visiting Mudbots in Utah, I stayed at a uh, like cheap motel that was like $600 a month. And I just like banged out a course for, for and uh, a bunch of videos. And so I'll, there's really no schedule. There's a long to-do list and there's a lot of places I have to go. So finding a place to do all the things on the to-do list uh, is usually the challenge. And it gets frustrating, like not having a podcast studio. So uh, I'll schedule interviews. And so I'll have to like find a place that has Wi-Fi and a place that like, I can have a good place to take the interview from so that it's like a decent set. Um, so if somebody misses an interview like that after I like put in all the effort to like do that, it's really frustrating. And uh, I don't know. There's no daily routine. Everything's different every single day by like immensely different. You've been doing this for a while now, traveling around the state, almost a different state every other week. Are you burnt out? I'm getting burnt out now, yes. <laughs> but... Uh, I can do it a little bit longer and it's still it's better than ever so I really like what I'm doing and it like I wake up so excited to for every day school all these things where people are telling you what to do all the time so frustrating for me that whole time like I wanted to do what I wanted to do and I knew that I like if I just did what I wanted to do it would probably be something good and like now to be out of school Doing what I want to do all the time is like, it feels so awesome. So today you are in Texas. Tomorrow you're going to be in Utah. I don't even know, honestly. There's a printed house in Arizona. There's a couple companies in Arizona. There's a the company in Utah. There's a company in California. And I want to be back in Texas for the uh, Texas Gigafactory launch April 7th. So I'm going to hit as many of those things as I can and see what happens. There is a... Damn, there's so much we could talk about. We could talk about your life as a YouTuber, exploring other platforms. I guess we could talk about you on TikTok then. Yeah, TikTok's fascinating. I joined TikTok after I had been making YouTube videos. It was after like the SQ4D house, so like pretty early into the journey. I was at home and my little brother, who is 12 years younger than me, uh, he was in like middle school. He was on TikTok like two hours a day, just like scrolling mindlessly. And I saw, I was like, oh, I've seen this before. Like apps take over first kids use them and then people a little bit older use them. And then all of a sudden everybody's using it. So I should probably get on this app. And uh, I posted some videos that were just clips from my YouTube videos at first. And one of them got like 5,000 views in like an hour. And then I was at dinner with my family and after dinner, I checked my phone and it's like 50,000 views. It was like, this is when I was getting, I had like 1,000 views on the YouTube video. So I was like, wow, this is crazy. But on TikTok, you get paid three cents or two cents per thousand views. Uh, whereas YouTube is like, 
much, much higher, like $2 to $10 to $20 per thousand views. Um, so three cents per thousand views is like, there's no money in TikTok. Even Mr. Beast makes, he's made $14,000 from TikTok. Okay. And he's <laughs> getting like 100 million views on like every TikTok video. So, But it's a way to promote yourself on another platform. Yeah, I don't know if it ever really drove any YouTube traffic. There have been like one or two days where I made a video saying, hey, check out my YouTube video. And that video got like 100,000 views. And I noticed maybe like maybe a 20% uptick in YouTube views. But like, as I'm sure you know, like sometimes you can't, you don't always know what attributes what. It's not like TikTok really helps that much grow the YouTube channel, I don't think. But the other thing, some people say it's bad because people on TikTok have shorter attention spans. So they click over to the YouTube channel and then they watch like seven seconds of each of your videos and drive down your average watch time. So it's a completely de different demographic. I feel yeah, like exactly. on YouTube, I'm, I hit the 30 to the 45 range and they're intentionally looking for a video. They have this different relationship to the creator. They, there's more loyalty, I guess. That's the word I'm, I'm thinking of. There's more loyalty to the creator. They they stay for longer rather than on TikTok where it's just, it's a little more superficial interaction, I think. I really try hard to uh, not have my channel be about me <laughs> because I uh, don't want to have to like maintain that. So I think I'm trying I'm trying to set like a relationship boundaries with my audience. It just happens because they're listening to you. They're listening to the way you convey uh, a message, the way you are describing a certain technology or product or something. Your your biases and your opinions are naturally going to come out. We're human beings. We can't be like truly objective. There's some subjectivity in your delivery. And that automatically generates this relationship to the viewer, I think. And it's an awesome thing. YouTube is so cool. It's like the support you get sometimes from people and like uh, the comments some people leave. Like, I don't know why I, I always perceived the YouTube comments as something vicious, but uh, they're so nice. Maybe you don't get the bad stuff. Have you blocked out certain words? No. Oh, wow. I'm, I think I just have a small niche audience. and uh, You haven't seen the dark side yet. <laughs> TikTok, the, the comments get wild. Uh -huh. <laughs> sometimes like... There was a mud printer video where it looks like uh, a certain human, uh, whatever. Pot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, everybody was like, let's the poo hut, let's kiss at the poo hut, let's meet at the poo hut, let's like, right after you eat Taco Bell, like, <laughs> the comments were <laughs> hilarious. But uh, yeah, YouTube is much more tame. But it's not easy being a YouTuber. I mean, I. So I've got nieces and nephews under the age of 10 and they think it's glamorous and I keep telling them it's not. It is extremely difficult, especially trying to balance everything on your own, whether it's like the research, the editing, the, the recording the video, recording the podcast, promoting it on different platforms and keeping that rhythm going day after day. There's no downtime. I kind of have been uh, feeling like less of a YouTuber and more of like a 3D printed construction consultant and like journalist. Um, and I guess that's kind of reflected in like my revenue streams. I don't think that my YouTuber experience is similar to other people's. Um, I've kind of like fully, fully dedicated everything uh, in my life to the research of automated construction and affordable housing, I guess, ultimately one day through technology, hopefully. So like in the beginning, after I was doing the construction labor job and those first videos kind of popped off, 
I had saved up money and I just like drove to Austin and I knew Icon was there. So I figured if I could get Icon to let me do a video with them, the other companies would probably let me do videos with them too. And I contacted Icon, I contacted every single person at the company, connected with all of them on LinkedIn and like first nobody responded. And then I think like some intern who like saw a video once accepted the request and then I had a mutual connection. So then I had like two and then three and then uh, after three months of sleeping on my buddy's couch who was starting a, a food truck startup in Austin, I finally got to do the video with Icon and like the video didn't do crazy views, but it was an amazing experience to meet them and see the project they did. And after I did that video, I was invited by 20 added manufacturing who you did a video with to Canada. And so then I went from uh, Texas, I had my car there and went up to Canada. And so I just like on the way up, just slept in my car in between driving up. And when I got to Canada, they were nice enough to like, they had an Airbnb that they let me stay in for at the time, you had to do a two-week quarantine. So they let me stay there for three weeks, uh, two weeks to quarantine and then one week to film and shoot. So it was really cool to be in like Nelson, Canada during COVID. It was really difficult to get across the border. They rejected me multiple times. I had to get like a letter from them saying that it was like official use. Like the argument was that 3D printed construction could be used for uh, like the Inuit people in the north uh, as affordable housing. And if we got the video out potentially the company could raise money and be able to do the projects more so that was ultimately i think what uh let that's where they let got you me cross, cross the border, the border. <laughs> uh and then i drove back home from canada which was a 43 i put in my address and it said 43 hours on the oh my navigation. gosh i pretty much just drove straight shot like drove 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 pulled over the side of the road slept for like four hours woke up drove 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 slept and so uh after the 43 doing that 43 hours straight it became something like very comfortable for me to do like just from like new york to texas like drive sleep in the car one night on the way get there the next day uh just became part of the lifestyle i hope people know how much effort you go in to just to create these videos it's i like... hope they don't <laughs> because I like don't want it to be about me. I like my channel being uh, really about the technology and the the affordable housing stuff. Like I think that's what people come for. And if I were to change it up at this point, some people would be like a little irritated. Like the video I did at Twenty Additive Manufacturing was basically like just a selfie the whole time. And people in comments that was like the one that people were mad about. They were like, "Show the house! Like get this guy out of the screen!" Like so, it's not that like. I don't mind some mean comments. It's probably good to have some mean comments like for the interactions, people upvote them, whatever. But you take it as constructive criticism. Yeah. Okay. I don't even really have a personal life because I'm just like working all the time, but I don't want my personal life in... Uh, in the videos. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could completely change up the channel and have it more like a vlog style, like you driving to a particular site and then... But that's not what you want to do. You want it to be just about the project at, at this particular site. It doesn't matter. The journey yeah. to get to that doesn't matter. And I think... Uh, like I might do other kinds of interesting technologies. That's why the channel's like my name instead of automated construction. So like OpenAI has like GPT-3 software that really fascinating to me and I just like I'm drawn to it. And so I kind of intentionally set my life up so that I don't have obligations to people that uh, so that if I am interested in something like GPT-3, I can pursue it. And so I think like in the future, I'll probably just do things that are interesting to me on my channel. But I don't know. We'll see at the audience if they accept that. 
what about OpenAI is so interesting to you and how do you think you can explore that field? It's so powerful like and it's kind of like the design stuff of 3D printed construction where uh, I've used it for like probably three hours just like playing around in the OpenAI playground and it's just like so eye-opening and in like inspiring how powerful it is and how much detail you can get out of it and like one really fascinating utility I found is you ask a friend their three favorite movies and then you tell OpenAI to write an epic heroic story based on the three movies about your friend and send them the whatever the OpenAI story writes and it's a guaranteed winner every time because it's their three favorite movies and OpenAI just like pulls aspects from each one and makes something completely original and it's so cool because you own what you create but for through OpenAI it's not like you google search you get an answer that's someone else's work if you get OpenAI to give you a response that's yours. Wow, that's very interesting. So I haven't looked into OpenAI much. You just told me about it right before our discussion. But to people who don't know what it is, can you explain a little bit about it? Yeah, so OpenAI is a nonprofit started with Elon Musk, a bunch of other people. Uh, and basically, it combs the internet for everything. And it has the cumulative internet's knowledge from 2016. They have a version, I believe, maybe it's called GPT-4, that has modern information. And so you could be like, what's trending on Twitter today? Or like, what's the most inflammatory statement I could make about the construction industry on Twitter today? And hypothetically, a, a GPT-3 or OpenAI like that could like comb the live internet and give you like real crazy levels of uh, uh, analysis of the humanity, I guess, through the online. But they haven't released that because it's I presumably far too powerful for people to just be able to use. So... They have a free version based on the 2016 internet, and it's as powerful as, it's as smart as the person using it. So you can like, if you ask really good questions, you'll get really good answers. And if you ask really, you have to be detailed. You Some people open it up and they try to use it like a Google search bar, or they try to use it like a uh, something, but it's not. It's like a kind of dumb, but also really really smart person like who just knows everything but like kind of gets stuff off a little i don't know so you encourage people to go check it out and yeah i don't know what it's gonna do but it's gonna do amazing things you've talked a lot about all your different source all your different avenues and i think it's it's very interesting that you've identified that diversity in the 3d printed construction realm is very important to you in order for you to make your business work you are doing all these in-person visits. You're looking into OpenAI. You have a you have virtual tours, right, of all the projects that you've visited. Yeah, that's like my version of Patreon. I all the like the course, the virtual tours, all the stuff. I build it on my own website, so I code it all myself in WordPress. That way, uh, it's just the credit card processing fees, and it's not like fifteen percent Patreon fee or whatever the the course is sometimes charged like 30% fees. So uh, it's not that hard to just build it yourself. So what about the courses that you've created on your website? What are they about? The course is how to 3D print a house. And I approach it from a general perspective because I get clients that want to buy a printer, people who just want to print a house and hire someone else to buy the printer, people who want to try to build their own printer. Um, I don't, the course isn't about how to build your own printer, but it goes into like the different 
ASTM codes that apply to the concrete, the testing specifications and uh, design elements like using rounded edges and maximizing the uh, area to perimeter ratio. And uh, yeah, it's like three and a half hours of content that you could definitely watch all my YouTube videos and get a better probably understanding than the course. It's a uh, condensed version. It's condensed. In three and a half hours, you can learn in a very organized fashion. Um, not that organized, just means in front of a whiteboard, but <laughs> how to 3D print a house. So if people want to check that out, what's your website? My website is automate.construction, www.automate.construction. I think that loses a lot of people because there's no .com and uh, it might be difficult, but yeah, automate.construction uh is my website and you can check it all out there. How do you see your journey evolving over the next, over this year? Uh, a year is too short a time frame for me to think about. Um, and just too long for it to like, like a year, I have no idea. I usually try to plan like three months loosely and then like five years, 10 years. Um, I, for the next five years, I'm going to continue trying to find the best ways to implement automation on construction job sites um and then after that we'll see so you kind of want to be a self-taught expert in that field of automation and yeah. be a consultant to different people and even companies? though i have a course i'm doing the i don't like to call myself an expert um i've operated one of the machines i've seen uh like a dozen of them operating but uh even though i like i know a lot about it but I know there's a lot I don't know. And so I'm not comfortable calling myself an expert. Um, and I think that's like why I want to dedicate the next five years to continuing to learn about it. Uh, so hopefully maybe I can become an expert and be able to say that confidently. Well, that's very exciting. Um, you have so much energy and so much interest in this. It's you've, you've done something really great in this field. And if you haven't already checked out his channel, go check out Jared Gross on YouTube. Check out his website too. And follow him on Twitter, on TikTok. <laughs> Are you active on Twitter? Uh, yeah, I guess uh, I've been starting to become more active on Twitter. I recently, yesterday, posted an article. A 3D printed construction company uh, founder posted instructions how to build your own gantry system. So he posted that just randomly on Reddit, and I stumbled across it. And so that's on my Twitter if somebody wants to build their own gantry system. Uh, he shared that information. That's very exciting. Thank you so much, Jared, for coming over to our studio and for talking to me. Thank you for having me. It was nice me. meeting you again. Yeah, it's good to see you. I think uh, I would love to see more 3D printed houses. Let me know if there's any uh, companies that you want to get in touch with. I'll try to connect you with the, the group in Dallas. And uh, if there's other companies that you, you want to film, let me know and I'll hap I'm happy to get you in touch with them because I love seeing your videos with them. Oh, thank you. And looking forward to your video on the... The new 3D printed houses in Dallas. That's going to be exciting. Thanks for having me. Thank you.